0: Welcome back, everyone, to episode eight of MedTech on Air. I'm your host, Caroline Moulin, and I'm joined today by Jesus Rueda-Rodriguez, Director General of Strategies, Special Projects, and International Affairs at MedTech Europe. Jesus, listeners will already know you from our previous shows, uh, but it's a pleasure to have you back on MedTech on Air.
1: Thank you, Caroline, and it's a pleasure to have you with us. So uh, here we are again, uh, once again, to look at what have been the latest developments over the last few months uh, in the world of the COVID developments.
0: Co- correct. <laughs> so yeah, after after 18 months of COVID-19 pandemic, European countries are now starting to ease coronavirus restrictions. Since the pandemic began, we've had to adjust in the way we deliver healthcare um, today, we'd like to explore how COVID-19 has impacted the future of healthcare, as well as challenges and solutions around these practices. So we've got plenty of things to discuss today, and I guess I can start with my, with my first question. So, Resus, last time you were a guest in this show was in November 2020, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us what has changed since then and give us an update on where Europe is in the management of the pandemic?
1: Um, The management of the pandemic has shifted substantially, and there has been two main drivers for that shift. The first, of course, is the vaccine rollout and the fact that now we are in a situation where a large proportion of the population in all of the uh, European countries has been vaccinated. That in itself makes it easier to have uh, opening up of society in different ways, getting people back to work, having the uh, schools up and running, and so on. Um, to counter that somewhat, unfortunately, we're seeing the emergence of more and more viral strains, like the famous Delta variant, um, that m- makes things a little bit more complicated. They're more infectious, they're potentially um, more likely to cause harm to the people that are infected with them. And so we're trying to balance these two trends the ability to look at how the Population gets protected versus new and emergent strains that we do need to continue to monitor and protect against.
0: Yeah, that's 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 very right. Thank you very much. So so we can see that COVID has and will change the way we, we deliver healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, but can I ask what will last as standard practices?
1: Um it's true that when you deep look deep down into the healthcare system themselves, things have changed substantially. So Um, The first thing that we're seeing is much more delivery of care through electronic means, digital health, uh, solutions that involve digital consultations with patients, um, and also the fact that patients take more responsibility for their own health and the ability for patients to manage their own health, especially in the case of chronic conditions, is becoming crucial in order to be able to continue to deliver the care to the patients that are needed we see that at this stage there are many patients who are waiting for elective procedures especially elective surgeries that haven't necessarily been able to obtain them and we are really looking at ways that we can have um, healthcare systems that are more flexible in order to allow for surges in demand on one side and the other so that you have a hospital that's able to treat a pandemic one day and then turn around and deal with an excess of cases of people that need to have hip implants or knee replacements that have been held up before because of the pandemic so we're seeing more flexibility in the workplace we're seeing a a workforce that's more trained in order to handle this and we're seeing uh, patients have new and different expectations also from their health delivery systems
0: and maybe expanding a little bit more on digital alternatives that you just touched upon. Um, could, could you tell us a little bit more about, about these?
1: Well, um, the digital alternatives come in many ways. And there are some that will be obvious to the patients. So the fact that you have a consultation with your doctor over Zoom or something like this, that's become more and more common or simply a phone consultation. Um What's very interesting is that doctors themselves are becoming better trained in these consultations. So even though this is not how many doctors were trained to do a consultation with patients, they're becoming more adept at knowing when an electronic consultation is sufficient and when they really need to see the patient to do a full exam in person. So this is the kind of thing that is developing and is becoming very interesting um, in, in in the medical space there are also quite a few alternatives that are coming up that are really there to help support doctors. Um, So you have much better access to information. One of the things that is incredible and revolutionary, but many people don't realize it, is the idea of these vaccine certificates. The vaccine certificates that have been issued and are being used across all of Europe for all sorts of things, including travel and access to certain venues, are a revolution in healthcare because it allows both access for patients to their data and provable access, they can prove, look, I have been vaccinated or have received a test or I have, you know, passed COVID and are therefore uh, resistant to it. Um, So that's one thing that's amazing. And the other thing that's amazing is that it's available to everyone everywhere in real time. You know, after you're vaccinated, that appears in your vaccine certificate virtually immediately. That level of access of information We have done it for COVID, for these vaccine certificates, but there is the potential there to expand it to all sorts of things from cardiac patients and their management, diabetes patients and their management in a much broader sense. And that could become a tool that really shapes the future of healthcare going forward, both from a point of view of how patients access their data and are able to manage their conditions, but also from the point of view of how doctors share data and have data available from patients that may be moving from one place to the other or have a long history, and therefore the data is not really centralized in any one place.
0: Very interesting that you just mentioned about the patient's possibility of managing their their own condition. Again, could you expand a little bit more on on this kind of patient empowerment that came up during the the pandemic with these alternatives?
1: Um, One of the things that did happen during the pandemic is that patients were... Uh, having less support from healthcare systems. And here we're talking about the patients that had chronic conditions, people like uh, patients managing, for example, diabetes is a good example. Um, Patients also that had uh, problems with uh, chronic renal failure and things like this. These patients, they would still get the support they needed, but it was strictly what was needed. A lot of the management and, and the work in taking care of themselves Um, you could see that the patients that were able to make that transition would be getting better outcomes. And so two things happened. Uh, One was that healthcare systems realized that patients are able to do this, and you have initiatives to train the patients and to empower them and let them become responsible for their own health. Now, not all patients are equal. You know, a 20-year-old sportsman with diabetes is not going to be able to manage his disease in the same way as a 90-year-old lady that has diabetes, Alzheimer's, and six other conditions. So you have different patients, and not all patients are the same. You need to have uh, tailored solutions and and, and tailored alternatives. But you are really seeing these options coming up, and for some patients, they're really going to make a very big difference.
0: Thank you. I think I think we here we're starting to touch upon the kind of challenges around these new mm-hmm. uh these new practices that came up during the pandemic. Um could you m- maybe tell us a little bit more about these challenges uh, around for example patient acceptance in the, of the practice in the long term mm-hmm. um and things like this. Thank you.
1: Well, there are actually quite a few challenges. I mean, the first challenge that was faced was simply one of financing. I mean, who's going to be paying for all these digital technologies going forward? Uh, Many of the healthcare systems in Europe before the pandemic came around were not set up to reimburse or or, or pay for these electronic consultations in the same way that they were paying for face-to-face consultations. So that was the first change that needed to happen. And uh, actually, that thankfully happened quite quickly. It's one of the things that we expect will remain in in some shape or form going forward, the fact that patients can have a virtual consultation with their doctor and that the doctor will get paid for that and that the system will, will, will function that way. So that was the first hurdle to overcome. Um, there is indeed uh, some, some questions about the acceptance of these virtual consultations both from the patient's perspective, but also from the doctor's perspective. Um, And this is an ongoing process to try to really figure out when these things are appropriate and when an actual consultation needs to take place in person. And sometimes one follows the other. This is not a black and white situation. Medicine, as I say, is is certainly a science, but at times it's also a little bit of an art. And getting that balance uh, as to when you need to see a patient in person is is becoming tricky. There's also the, the fact that not every patient is going to have the same ability to go forward for the electronic consultation. I'll give you a simple example. You might have patients like you or me, we have our phone, the doctor tells us, oh, can you take a picture of the blemish on your finger or whatever, and we can do it and send it immediately, the doctor can see it, and it can be sorted out. Not all people have that kind of technology available all the time, they might be able to get on the phone, but not necessarily with a phone that takes a good enough picture for the doctor to be able to make an assessment. So these are challenges that we're meeting and having to overcome. Um, but they are they are they are balanced by by also uh, significant benefits in the sense that overall it can provide much better access to healthcare across the board and it's certainly more convenient for everyone involved which sounds simple but you know in in some cases that really does help people get these appointments
0: thank you so in you just mentioned access in terms, in terms of access uh, precisely uh, can we talk about prioritizing of patient issues for example and how that's going to work from from a doctor's perspective but as well as from a patient perspective uh,
1: this is certainly something that needs to be worked out i I personally don't have the details on how that's going to be playing out and I mean I'm, I'm I'm quite honest about it there's there's uh there's no one answer to it it will depend on the condition It will depend on the comorbidities of the patient. So, you know, having a patient that only has to deal with diabetes is not the same thing as having a patient that has to deal with diabetes and pneumonia and Alzheimer's and several other things. So you're looking at a complex situation that you need to be able to manage. And I don't think that we have yet reached the point where we have a clear overview of where these things are going to be going in the long term. But what we do know is that this is a tool that's here to stay. This is something that we're going to continue to develop. And over the course of the next two or three years, it's not only going to become ubiquitous, but much more efficient.
0: I also wanted to touch upon the issue of supply chains. Obviously, at the beginning of the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, this was quite big on, on on the news. So where are we at the moment and what are the challenges arising in the future?
1: Um With regards to dealing with the pandemic, supply chain remains a challenge, but we've reached a point where it's a challenge, but one that tends not to impact care. So the challenge is upstream, and there's all sorts of things that happen. You have shortages because a plant might shut down somewhere in the world because the area goes into lockdown. We have very important logistical challenges still, trying to get materials out from Southeast Asia because of shortage of, of transport capacity at this stage. Uh, and then we also have um, accidents of nature that happen. I mean, there's hurricanes that have ravaged the, um, the, the Gulf of Mexico that have resulted in shutting down manufacturing facilities that provided essential plastics for the making of uh, different devices or sterile barrier systems. And that led to an acute rise in price and shortage of these materials. We were able to manage it. But it's something that, you know, you have to be able to deal with. So we are seeing threats to the supply chain continuously. But overall, the supply chain has also become more agile so that these threats very seldom result in an actual physical shortage at the hospital level with a couple of exceptions. But by and large, that's where we're at.
0: Thank you very much, Jesus. Um, could Could you maybe give us a little bit of a summary of the discussion we had today?
1: well uh, as i mentioned uh, this is a situation that's still evolving so we have new technologies new digital solutions we have problems at the same time with managing the the pandemic uh, because of its changing force Um, this is something that's going to continue for some time and i think that overall healthcare systems have evolved in a year what they would normally have taken 10 years to happen This acceleration may continue, this this, this very high level of pace and change might continue. We're also seeing a very strong investment into healthcare systems from the overall tech industry, from people that before were around the edges but weren't fully invested. Now there's a lot of people that are very invested in making healthcare work. You just have to remember early in the pandemic how car manufacturers were helping out and so were people that were making ventilators and everybody was trying to make the whole thing work. There is a much more uh, solid concern for the healthcare systems. Perhaps one of the things that we need to be careful with is that during this whole period, where now we go into an economic recovery phase, we are not left behind as an industry. Healthcare remains a very strong part of the economy. Uh, And I have to say that if you look at Europe right now, most hospitals have depleted their uh the the their financial reserves in order to fight the pandemic many healthcare systems in europe are actually struggling from the point of view of finance because of the massive expenditures that had to be put in place in order to counter the pandemic so it's very important that this is recognized that there is sufficient support given so that we can continue to, first of all, deliver the care that the patient needs and expand and make it more effective and efficient because it's those efficiencies that will help to make long-term healthcare viable as we continue to deal with other aspects, like for example, the aging population and so on. These challenges, they might not come with an onset that is so rapid as the pandemic, but they are nonetheless extremely transformative for a healthcare system that has to address them. So I think that many of the things that we have learned will result in in better care for patients overall, and hopefully also um, a better situation for the healthcare workers as well, because they've been absolutely fantastic during the entire uh, response to the pandemic. And I think that anything that we as a med tech industry can do to make their lives easier would be very much appreciated as well.
0: Thank you for that excellent summary, Jesus. Uh, We can see how COVID has um, changed our life in many significant ways. Um, And what we do know is that COVID-19 has left its mark and many innovative solutions are, are here to stay and looking forward to these. So thank you again, Jesus, for coming on the show and looking forward to the next time.
1: Thank you, Caroline. I look forward to it as well.
0: Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud. And if you want to know more about medical technologies, visit our website at medtechEurope.org
1: and follow us on social media.